Hello and welcome to What We Don't Talk About, a podcast that runs towards the difficult conversations we all struggle to have. In it, we explore the experiences you might go through and the explanations that can help you understand them. I'm Alice Sowerby and I co-host the podcast with Kerry. I'm incurably curious about what it's like to be a human and the reasons why our experiences are the way they are. I work in tech and I've held leadership and management roles across a wide range of organisations. And I'm Kerry Newton-Sarganar, an agile professional, coach and training neuroscientist with a passion for brains, books and tea. I love a nerdy look at why we do what we do on a behavioural and neuroscientific level and then exploring how we can do better for ourselves and for the folks around us. This is our first series of four podcasts in which we explore some of the challenges of being a first-time manager. Hello Alice. Hi Kerry. Um, so today we're going to talk about having an underperformer and potentially letting someone go. Uh, so when you've got somebody that you know, you've maybe taken whatever steps you needed to or you thought you needed to, it's not working out for whatever reason and you get to the point where you think that's it, it's all over, they're out, they've got to go. Um, so we're going to talk about this um, in terms of you know what's what's the conventional wisdom, uh, and then we can look at what what might be wrong with that. So, from your experience, what what are the things that you've heard or been told when it comes to underperformers? Yeah, I, I, this is such a stressful idea for most managers. I think it's almost like the worst case scenario, your worst nightmare. Is like it would be great if everybody was was just good at their job and you know everything was sunshine and and roses and you you're just getting on with people and getting on with work and everybody's happy and performing performing well however yes you do everyone has times when they're not performing and and at that time your manager you know that are faced with the question of how, how do we manage this situation and as a manager it's it's it can be quite daunting um because you know you're dealing with other people um, their, their lives, their emotions, their sense of self, their self-esteem. And it's, it's you know, you have a relationship with them, with the manager that's kind of artificial and, um, you know, slightly feels, can feel unnatural at times. So this idea of having an underperformer and you feeling responsible for that um, and, and having, it's your responsibility to deal with that, that's, that's quite a daunting thing for a first-time manager or, or even a, a more experienced manager. Mm. Um, over the years, from, from my point of view, I don't think I've gotten great training on this. Um, one of the things I've heard a lot of is the skill versus will matrix. And this is really, really routinely taught in my experience as a way of thinking about underperformance. And what it essentially says is the reason that people do things in order to do, make a good job of something, people have to have both the ability and the motivation. So the ability is what they call skill um, and motivation is what they call will. And uh, first off, like the words aren't great. So skill makes it sound as though it's something that can be taught. It isn't always. Sometimes it's to do with aptitude. Sometimes it's to do with strengths. Um, Sometimes it's to do with um, emotional bandwidth or, or other kinds of bandwidth that people may or may not have over time. And that can change. 
but it's still referred to skill and, and I, it's called it's it's called skill because it rhymes with will which it should immediately be a red flag because you know we, we don't <laughs> we don't no good can come of using doggerel to to learn how to manage um then we've got will which is is really motivation and um you know motivation we talked about quite a lot in our first podcast which is around giving feedback and we talked about intrinsic and extrinsic motivation and, and so on and um i don't want to jump into that too much other than to say it's a model that has some value i think it also proposed it also presents challenges because it, it's not very nuanced um and it, it sometimes is the only thing that you're offered as a way to engage with this underperformance concept of underperformance so it's i so what it is really saying is if if that person can't do their job because they don't know how mm. or they haven't got the skill to it, then you would look to some kind of training, yeah. um, and that would be the that would be the resolution. Or if they um, are not motivated in some way, then it's sort of well, find a way to motivate them, and, and that's often tied to things like well, can we um, either sort of um, put a little bit of fearful pressure on them, as in if you don't buck up you know you'll lose your job mm. or it's sometimes but not often um if people are already underperforming sometimes you you might sort of try to motivate them with sort of promise of you know promotion or some other kind of reward and you know that isn't as often used for people that are underperforming because you have to get back to baseline and then you have to exceed that normally to be considered for some kind of reward um, so that's skill versus will. That's some of the conventional wisdom that I've heard. Um, mm. I've also heard that you shouldn't tackle people about their underperformance until you have a clear and objective record of it. Yeah. Um, which I understand why people say that, but I also think it makes things harder and it allows the underperformance to go on for longer. And it over it can overformalize the pro- the situation and cause it to feel much more stressful and high stakes than it otherwise would have been yeah um and then then i've also heard um you know pip which is performance improvement plan that's very common it's called different things different companies as well but that's a very common piece of conventional wisdom as a tool for structuring the management of underperformers and i don't hate it i think it's good to have uh ways to structure things so that it's becomes more um uh objective like what you actually it, it leads to a shared understanding so I, I like it for that reason but i also know that a lot of times it's very much tied to hr and hr being able to cover themselves in in cases of having to let people go and they are very much seeking of a record of what's happened and it'll often be tied with you know we do a pip and at the end of the pip we have a review and if if you haven't improved then dot 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 you're on a track to being let go for some reason um so i don't like it for that reason i'm gonna stop now well yeah so i've seen the same thing in terms of uh you know people people using performance uh, improvement plans i think one of the ways that those can be beneficial and i agree with you know a lot of the time they're just used to you know to tick the processes having been done i think they do help in terms of trying to reduce some of the bias that might creep in uh, some of the, the you know the subjective judgments uh, that can come up 
The other thing that you talked about was, you know, keeping a track of what people are doing. So the manager notices things are going wrong. And in order to talk to that employee, they feel like they've got to write down a load of examples and they have to collect this portfolio of evidence to take to that person. Uh, And, you know, this this then slips, you know, fits neatly into our next, um, you know, what we wanted to go on to, which is what's wrong with that. And I think one of the issues with that in particular is it leaves the it leaves the individual feeling massively disempowered and, you know, wondering, well, how long have you been watching me for? Um, And if I'd known about this from the start, you know, perhaps I could have done something differently back then so I think it 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 trips the process up actually this idea of gathering evidence for a period of time um, without having any conversations along the way um, to even highlight this as a a problem Uh, and I appreciate that people would want to have something to back that conversation up but I think when that comes you know the, the problem comes when this crops up as a conversation in their uh, you know, half year or even worse, their annual review. And it's been a year of evidence gathering and this is the first thing that they've heard about it. And then suddenly they're put on this performance improvement plan. I think it be, can be massively damaging to the relationship mm-hmm. and to the morale, to the engagement of that employee with their role. Um, and, it, you know, it puts things massively on a back foot. And essentially, I think it starts the seed of the idea in the employee's head that well, there's no point you know they want me out you know the the bad feeling I think that that generates is often you know it's almost a betrayal of trust um well they want me out this you know I better just find another job yeah it's they don't fire me yeah it's that sense of um yeah I mean there's even a uh, um I can't think of what the word is there's even a proverb about it isn't it which is essentially you know giving somebody enough rope to hang themselves yeah yeah it's it's max of, of basically like I'm not going to help you out by you know giving you a heads up oh that thing you did yeah. I don't really know the context of that but it's it could come across blah yeah you know let's chat about it yeah um, or, or you know it's like if, if you're supposed to be supportive and working with someone and helping them to become what they you know what they need to be and what you're asking them to be if, if you don't help them out, but just save up criticism instead. Like that's the opposite of what's yeah. needed. Um, yeah, and, and it, it sounds it sounds like the decision's already been made. Yeah, it's it's like it's like when you yeah when you've made a decision, you look for then um, evidence to support that decision. Yeah. yeah, and that that I think that actually often is what has happened. You know, people yeah. are like, this person doesn't seem to be able to to do anything like without you know messing it up. Yeah. Uh, I think I'll just keep a record until I have enough and then I'll be able to fire them without, you know, without kickback. And it's like, well, okay, I guess, but, um, but have you actually tried? Yeah. Um, like it, what have you tried to, to, to support them and, and like give them, is it that you don't want to have a difficult conversation with them? Is that you don't want to invest in them? But you know, yeah. what's the, what's the reasoning behind like, you don't, you don't want to, you just want to gather enough evidence to get rid of them. Mm. I think that point about, you know it biases your views if Mm. you are uh, seeking to back up this problem that you have identified you're then using not using but you're being influenced by you have perception bias confirmation bias because you'll be looking out for everything that corroborates your uh, your your theory your hypothesis your, your claim your idea your concern 
and everything that they do that supports that. And then all that will happen is every time they perform an action that doesn't fit that narrative, you'll you'll just write it off because that's not what you're looking out for. And can I can I tell you about a time when I did it? Because yeah, I yeah, had, I'd love to hear. I had, I, I had um, someone working for me, and she was. I, I think I think you know my. Um, my week, you know, perceived a few things that had happened. And, and at some point I decided like, here's a problem. Right? And that's the first, I guess that's not necessarily um, a bad thing because at some point you've got to have a moment of recognition or a moment of realization, maybe this needs looking at. Mm. Um, but it, it, I, I, I remember making an actual list of things that I wanted them to, I think it was like things that I wanted them to, um, reconcile or like um put right yeah and like even from things like oh you borrowed a book from me and I haven't had it back or something awful like I just oh I, I just cringe I think about it it's, of course that just destroyed all trust and it made that person feel like I was um you know on their back and watching every little thing they, they did and not in their corner at all but very much um you know that they <laughs> I think they felt really unsupported really unwelcome and, and I uh you know I really regret that I didn't have a better approach to it at the time <laughs> um yeah yeah and actually that poor same person um made <laughs> made a real um tried to be funny with a senior director and it landed incredibly badly because it just came off very rude and instead of instead of de-escalating the situation, I held on to it. I held, I didn't say anything in the moment. I held on to it. And uh, I kind of arranged a sort of shot across the bowels meeting with that person. So I super escalated it, which was horrible. And I was, I really, and that person left. Yeah. And I don't blame them because like, what, a, what an unsupportive way to manage someone, mm. <laughs> poor person, yeah. I'm sorry. So, <laughs> so what would you do differently? What, you know, what, what's the, so in contrast to the conventional wisdom and this, you know, very typical, very normal way of managing underperformers or, or managing them out, you know, how, how would we do things differently? What, what are we not doing? What are they not, what are we not talking about? Um, well, I, I think the, the hmm, well, as we've talked about some of the conventional wisdom, some of the problems with it, I think one of the problems that we need to to look at is how we characterize the, t the 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 causes of some of these problems. I think skill and will I've talked about, um, you know, but we also have to understand that everybody's different in different contexts, um, and it's the duty of the manager to consider the context that that person is working in, um, as well as as that person themselves, and that that context might be at work and it also might be at home for those people. And, and if you don't have a clue about what's going on with them at home, and then it's, I think it's okay to, to open up the possibility of them telling you about that. I don't think it's that you have a right to know, yeah. but I think it's good to at least um, make a space for them to share something around mm -hmm. that with you. Um, also, you know, you've got, to, you've got to think about how are you setting up these people for success? Um, and I think that's really it's a really important question to ask. Um, and unfortunately, there is it's so variable how you answer that question. Um, 
that it 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 it's probably something you will have to work out in in, in each situation differently. Mm. Um, but it, I do think it's important to have have off, have good com- quality conversations with people and try and have those conversations earlier rather than later. I think gathering up that evidence over time, as we've as we've mentioned, is is a really um, it's the last resort. It's it's it, you know it's not it's when the relationship's already pretty much dead in the water. I think that's yeah. you, you don't want to use it otherwise. So instead, I would say like be aware that when you get advice, if you if you want advice and you ask HR, be aware what HR is incentivized to do and 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 what their motivations are because they're not you know they're still people but their role is not necessarily the care and welfare of the staff individually it's the care and welfare of the company in terms of overall people management and and what i what i mean by that is is not that they would be actively unkind to individuals but it's their job to make sure that they have a record of how what happens kind of when there is a problem and, and so they will they will have a checklist of things to do if if we say that we want to let someone go, then that can't just be done. And that's 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 a good thing. And particularly in the UK, you know, we have reasonably good employment laws, certainly compared to places like the States. Um, so it isn't possible to just let someone go with no reason given. So most companies will have a, a, a process that you need to go through, and that will include like warnings and pips. And, you know, you'll have to, you want to be, they'll want to be covered in terms of, recording things right so that's where that comes from I think yeah and as we've discussed it's it's fine for that but it's not great for building relationships and actually rescuing relationships and yeah rescuing situations. yeah so that's that's another question I've got then which is you know, we're treating it as if it's a given that this person will end up leaving how can we like how would we do it differently because I think there's a number of steps that we could take both a lot further back um before things get to that stage but also when things do get to that stage I think there's uh, you know I've got some thoughts on that but but in terms of how we can change the you know the way that dynamic is set up what what are your thoughts on that um yeah I, I think I think often it's hard to see that there is a way out of an underperformance situation mm. and sometimes there isn't mm. and that that should definitely be acknowledged and sometimes um, you know, there there isn't a fit, or that the fit fit can't be made to work, for, and and that might be something that's is just about innate um, mismatch in terms of role and candidate, or it it might just be something that's come about because of change of circumstances, either in the company or with that person, and and that that's difficult, and, and maybe we'll have to talk about that a bit more in, in another mm-hmm. call because that that you know that's um that is a very nuanced situation but um but what what i think is is important is that you you do keep in mind that there is the possibility of turning things around and i've definitely seen this before right where people are acting out let's say um for whatever reason or or perhaps then they're not um, performing in a way that you like and really the, the the best way to do that is to have an open and honest discussion and tr- do as much as you can to um 
talk to people as early as possible and, and do it from a compassionate standpoint. So it's essentially saying, you know, that there's, I've noticed, I've noticed that this has happened. Mm. Um, I want you to understand that it's not what we would like to see. Mm. Um, but I want to have a conversation with you about this um, so that we can, so I can understand, you know, what's going on and, and whether it's a question of like, um, content or tone because sometimes if people are I'm, I'm thinking of the times when people maybe are um, behaving somewhat inappropriately in some situations and it might be that they, they just um, they want to say something but they don't know how to say it let's mm. for an example yeah um, and or, or they or maybe they're doing a um piece of maybe they're not prioritizing their work very well and, and it turns out that they they don't have the right context or something like that so mm. it, I think it's it's important to actually not wait till you have concrete evidence but act trust yourself trust your own judgment about thinking this per I need to talk to this person and and, and therefore I will talk to this person rather than saying oh I, I can't talk to them because it's a bit subjective yeah um, and I, 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 you know, I can't, I can't really point to why I think, you know, I can't, I can't necessarily point to, to like sort of hard and fast rules that have been broken, yeah. but something's a bit off and, or, or something's not right. And, and I think we need to discuss this and give the other person the right to reply, because if you're going to make assumptions about, um, what's going on with them, then that's definitely, uh, only half the story. Mm. I think I think this ties into the conversation that we were having before about feedback um mm. you know, I think having that conversation but framing it from the perspective of you know I, I care about you and you you know we want you in this job we like the job that you do but this element that you're doing here we need to improve that because you know we want you to flourish we want you to be successful in this role this bit here it needs addressing so that you can do that so that you can you know become your your best self or however you want to phrase yeah. that but you know but that, that if that's the focus then it doesn't have to be this finger pointing exercise it can be this idea of trying to grow them as an individual yeah. Yeah. Uh, and I think you know having that conversation as soon as possible so immediately after the event and saying you know that thing that happened there that wasn't great this is the impact that it had. I don't know if you realise that's the yeah, impact yeah, that yeah. it had, but you know, this is how it's this is how it's showing up. This is how it's being interpreted. You know, let's let's do some work together to change that so that we can change the perception so that it doesn't come across that way, so that it doesn't happen again. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. And so that yeah, so that you can do this better going forwards and having that happen. But in terms of and you, you know, we we you spoke about when that work has been done, but it's still not working out for whatever reason. Um you know, there's then a way of making that transition process a healthier one as well. I think one of the problems is that when things get to that stage, um, if people haven't had a conversation throughout to try and support the person through that process, it can then be a really awkward, really uncomfortable and really cold process yeah. to actually have them exit the company. Yeah. And there's a, uh, you know, there's a different way of helping people to exit the company when you know when 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 things do get to that stage and one of the um 
I can't, I can't remember the quote exactly, but one of the things that has stuck with me that I heard somebody say was, it's a manager's job to help each individual into their next role. And mm-hmm. I think having that uh, operating perspective helps you to to deal with things when they go wrong. But then if that person does need to move on and you as the leader or the manager can see it, I think it changes the way that you help them to do that, the way that you, um, you know, encourage however you do that, encourage them to leave the company. I think it changes the the shift. What are your thoughts on that or your experience if you've got any? Uh, yeah, I, I, I think you have to, to, to maintain your sort of, humanity in a job like being a manager where you're a tool of capitalism essentially mm. <laughs> um, you know, you know you, your job is to sort of get people to work for money and, and then if they can't work get rid of them you know that's that's part of your that's part of your job and it's, it's nasty it can be nasty if you think of it in that way mm. but if you can think about people first and think you know make sure that when when you do engage with people you are committing to their value and their integrity as a human first and then the rest of it will flows much more easily because if you if you you know somebody came to me once and said you know I've got another job and it's uh it's a you know it's a promotion and it's a pay rise and it's giving me all these opportunities and I was like I think you should take that because honestly we can't offer you that here Mm. and it's right for you Mm. and that's one side of it I Mm. think another side of it is just as you've said, you know, if people are going to leave, if you do need people to leave, um, because, you know, there isn't that fit there, uh, and it's it's not good. If it's not good for the company, it's almost certainly not going to be right for the person either, and they're probably having a horrible time. So the most compassionate thing to do is, is to do, instead of trying to, you know, fix them and fix the situation, if that's not within your control, then to, you know, to support and enable them to find the next great role, you know, use your network. Mm. your contacts use your social capital and I think that benefits the company as well because that that story will travel with them as they go through their own uh, their own career and they'll refer back to that experience and that can only paint your your company in a good light which you know that's one of the ways to help you secure better staff in the future if you've got this good reputation of helping people Mm. to leave well um, that's an excellent way of dealing with that um, yeah, out of time. <laughs> yeah, on that, on that, on that happy note. Yeah, and there's so much more that we could say on this. There is there's uh, always, always. <laughs> and and my sort of my final thought is just that you have to protect your own um, time and energy as a manager. You know, you don't just have that one person to look after. You have the rest of the team to look after. And, and if you are spending an inordinate amount of time over a prolonged period on that underperformer, then you've got to question whether you're serving the whole team effectively. Yeah. Um, yeah. Just, a, just a final thought there. Yeah. <laughs> I suppose my 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 uh, my perspective, or my, my final thought, if you want, then yeah. would be, uh, you know, the, the way that we're perceiving people changes based on how we decide to perceive them i think if we're choosing to find problems with one person we may may well find that that spreads across to other people as well we might you know we could end up causing a fairly systemic problem we could be the systemic problem and actually choosing to frame things differently can make a huge difference to how we see people and how then they show up and perform under us Mm -hmm. yeah Um, all right that was fun thanks Um, alice to the next one. We'll Great. See you. Bye.
see you next time all right bye-bye bye thanks for listening to this week's episode to find out more about the podcast or to send us questions you can visit our webpage at www.dta.co.uk you can also get in touch by email at hello at www.dta.co.uk or on our linkedin page links for all these places are in the show notes and if you liked this podcast please give us a five-star review and subscribe see you next time Bye.